This is High Stakes from Gerard Inc. I'm David Schifrin with Gerard Inc. We are kicking off the new year with a series of conversations about what our team is watching in 2024 and how all of that was shaped by the events and trends of 2023. Just before Christmas, we sat down with the leaders of our five practices, each of whom specializes in working with a different type of provider organization, and asked them all the same set of questions. The series will cover those questions running for the next three episodes. Throughout, you'll pick up on the common themes that apply to every type of provider, as well as the nuances of each for, say, a community hospital versus a national health system versus a PE-backed health services company. First up is our health services team. In order of appearance in the following conversation, you'll hear from Holly Adams, partner at Gerard and our health services practice lead, Sheila Biggs, a vice president and practice deputy, and Dan Schlachter, also a vice president and also practice deputy. Our health services team works with innovative healthcare companies, including those backed by PE that are outside the acute care setting. If you want to learn more about our health services practice, the work they do and the clients they serve, please check out gerardinc.com forward slash practices. That's J-A-R-R-A-R-D-I-N-C dot com forward slash practices. Big picture, y'all. What do you feel were the biggest wins collectively for clients in your practice and health services in 2023? Reflecting on 2023, I think one of the wins for health services clients has been in their growth strategy. This year, we saw significant changes in transaction activity, and it has been much lighter than in years past, which has pivoted their growth strategy to be focused more on same-store growth than with acquisitive growth. And as a result, they have been doubling down on encouraging internal engagement and ensuring that their current assets are growing And that's been a focus on patient acquisition and other areas to strengthen what they have already invested in. Sheila? Along those same lines, that ability to invest in themselves, seeing how they are bringing awareness, resources to their brand, both internally and externally. So through their brand externally, we're seeing a number of websites looking at are they articulating who they are now? We've all changed over the past three years, and there's been heightened focus on ensuring that the way that they are projecting themselves externally is reflective of who they are internally. And then internally, having that intentionality with connecting with their employees through culture work, through engagement, Because employees are the biggest ambassadors that any organization has. And they understand, see, and are making those investments. Looking into the new year, what are the top challenges that you all see coming up? What's going to be keeping folks up at night? At the beginning of 2023, we saw a significant uptick in cybersecurity events across all of our clients and various platforms. And I think the continued push to greater digital assets and greater digital integration certainly continues to set organizations up for those risks and vulnerabilities and being able to manage effectively through crisis. We have seen positive results for our clients who have gone through data incidents with no scars 
at the end. I think going into 2024, we'll continue to see that as a theme for vulnerability and crisis. And Dan, you've certainly worked on your fair share of cybersecurity events this year. Yeah. And to pick up that theme, looking ahead to 2024, I think it's more of what we've seen in 2023 of a recognition that in the absence of high deal volume, all transactions are even more important. And so the focus has been on purposeful activity and that we have to nail whatever it is that we're doing. So we're seeing a lot of heightened attention on uh, carve-out acquisitions. We're seeing attention on recruitment, internal positioning, positioning within the market, so that there's a focus on asset protection, value protection, and as an effect of maybe holding on to some of these investments a little bit longer than than planned, that we are continuing to grow value over the long term, really putting a premium on the success of every project and a very intentional positioning within the market, both for your external audiences, internal audiences, and certainly retaining your current customers, current patients, and current team members. I certainly think that that's going to continue into into the new year, and we're looking forward to it because there's a lot of opportunity there, and that's the kind of work we like to do. So as you think about the work that we do and thinking about the role of marketing and communications and helping guide through these changes and challenges, what do you see the communications needs being or the communications challenges being through this work? One thing I think we'll see in 2024 is a heightened focus on value-based care and considering from a communications perspective, the understanding of value-based care, as well as the financial and reimbursement pressures facing value-based care. Over the past few years, we've worked with several value-based care clients on helping them position themselves and articulating their value proposition, who they are, and what exactly they do, and seeing more VBC play out in various service lines and across different platforms will certainly continue to be a trend. And we face additional payer scrutiny, I think just like any other healthcare services provider, and we'll see more of that into the new year. Yeah, 2024 is going to be an interesting one, just given it being an election year, the heightened scrutiny, Holly, to what you're mentioning on growing health services and healthcare systems. The antitrust lens is strong, especially with the FTC and Lena Khan really having her Hawkeye out for private equity and how they are going to grow. Although we haven't seen as many deals go down in 2023, and it's forecasted that we're not going to see too much of an increase in 2024, those that are going to continue expanding and growing through acquisition and additional partnerships are going to be under the lens of a very influential and powerful regulatory body. Yeah, it's a great point that Sheila brings up around increased mandate activity, increased transparency requirements, and in addition to the political environment, I think the question that every provider is going to have to answer in 2024 is, why am I essential to the ecosystem? And what data points do I have to back it up? And what story do I have to tell that makes sure that there is zero gap in that answer between how my customers perceive me and how my team members 
perceive me. Because what we're seeing is an increased need to justify my services and also to justify the need to grow because there's an inherent tension, especially in in healthcare, between profitability and operations, really. It's always been kind of a, a bit of a dirty word to say that you are focused on profits, but the fact of the matter is our healthcare system is what it is. And if you're not profitable, you're not going to exist. And so we need to make sure that we're aligned internally and externally on our value proposition, what we're adding to the ecosystem, that we're not taking anything away, and that our customers and our team really see that. And not just that they see it, but that they're bought into it so that they're acting as our champions as well. And that, that's a tough needle to thread, especially like Sheila just mentioned in the, in, with the increased regulatory scrutiny and everything else. But it's an essential story that folks are going to have to tell, especially if you want to get bought. <laughs> if you can't tell that story, nobody's buying you. Another trend that we're continuing to see is more partnerships and greater alignment between the health services sector and healthcare systems and opportunities for enhanced growth, enhanced profitability, and opportunity to improve and increase access throughout communities and who can do that the best and bringing really smart partnerships to the forefront. We've even seen a lot of de novo activity happening, particularly within the behavioral health space and partnerships with health systems. And that's really exciting to see, understanding that there's just an inherent need and more demand for behavioral health services and seeing those partnerships come to life have been great. So thinking about the environment that y'all are talking about and the demand for more care, the need to partner in different situations, and then to navigate the political and regulatory minefield, maybe. And Dan, you just talked about this as far as aligning all parts of your story to be comprehensive, clear, cohesive, to continue the alliteration. If you all walk into an executive meeting or a board meeting with a client and they're thinking about all these challenges, what is, what's the question that you ask to help them get unstuck or take that next step towards figuring out what that needs to look like, what that communications and operations and alignment, how they approach that going forward? It's a hard one to answer because it is so challenging to narrow down on what are the top priorities knowing that there are so many challenges and we tend to want to boil the ocean instead of really drilling into prioritizing those those issues and creating solutions around them. So as a result, one key question would be, what is the greatest problem we need to solve for? And brainstorming around that answer to come up with some key priorities and always encouraging, what are the top three things? If we could do nothing else, what are the top three things we need to address? Whether that's to improve access for communities, to increase our bottom line, to advance what we're trying to do, whether it's growing a platform or a set of services, but really getting down to that fundamental question of what is the key challenge we are trying to solve for today? I agree. It's what's the problem we're solving and who are we solving it for? One of the one of the challenges that we often run into is that an organization wants to see themselves as the central figure in a story. And by speaking about the problem we're solving and who we're solving it for, we help to put them put the proper context in place that 
We're not the hero, we're the guide. And if we can get into that mindset, everything flips and we start seeing that value proposition really become clear because we start to focus on the problem we're solving, who we're solving it for, and how we're solving it for them. And that conversation unlocks everything that you need to share for your internal audiences and your external audiences. And when we keep value at the forefront, it's a lot easier to defend our, the necessity for us to be doing what we're doing and not just to keep doing what we're doing, but to keep doing more of it. What have you all seen clients doing or non-clients, maybe not even in healthcare, but some cool unconventional ideas that you think would be successful in the health services world? This came up in conversation yesterday, and that is the excitement and opportunity around AI and integration and how we can infuse that in various digital platforms so that we're helping individuals really live toward healthier lives. And one example of that is a local organization called Synchronous Health that is, you know, a solutions-based type platform for behavioral health. And it's a bit of an AI integration where they are able to assess based on an individual's online activity. Are they at risk for any kind of triggers from a behavioral health perspective and how that can expand into other services such as you've had a heart attack, you've had open heart surgery. What were those things that led to that, whether diet, exercise, stress, and using AI and various technological platforms to be able to ping you in your pocket when you need to be aware of various things that could prevent further issues or heart attacks in the future. So I think the the opportunity around AI to impact those living with comorbidities or just improve health overall. It's that blue sky, big picture, cool thing to think about for next year and beyond. Going back to the beginning, you're talking about using AI in a predictive way and then thinking about what we talked about at the beginning in terms of cybersecurity. How are you all thinking about just the sensitivity and the need to be extremely careful there, both for the sake of the patients so that they trust that you're using their data appropriately and also protecting it from bad actors. I would say to any client, invest in cybersecurity, risk mitigation. <laughs> when we have had cybersecurity incidents with our partners, just learning that there could have been things in place to prevent those. And so thinking about the role of digital and just how more at risk organizations are, doubling down and investing in that area, I think, to help protect patients and their vulnerable data is important. So looking at digital investments moving forward. Yeah, and there's also the phrase, I don't know where it came from, but don't talk about it, be about it. And that's really the case when it comes to data privacy and security in general, just whether it be physical security or data security, that the first time your patients or team hears from you about data security cannot be you telling them that you've had an incident. You need to be talking with them proactively about, here's what we're doing, this is our philosophy on it, we value your privacy, we value your data, this is how we're using it, this is how we're protecting it. So that it's a normalized conversation, and if, you know, worst case scenario, something does happen, then you've got context 
in which to share. You're, if you're coming out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, in addition to having to deal with the incident, you're also going to be having to deal with trust issues and any number of other things that come along with it. Of course, certainly the, the steep cost that comes with an incident. Uh, so we uh, certainly encourage people to, to always be about it. And whether you've had an incident or not, we need to talk, be talking about data. What about anything that you've seen outside of healthcare that could be applied uh, within healthcare, particularly your clients, but you know, health systems in general? One of the, one of the trends that, that I'm seeing across industries is a recognition that you don't need to be all things to everyone. And that you don't need to own the entire market, but you do need to own your audience. There's a lot of hard work that goes into actually understanding who your audience is and what they want. And a way that I really enjoy, that I'm really enjoying seeing that right now is with the wrapped graphics from Spotify. Certainly it's a, it's one of the most fun end of year things to see some information about how you've been listening over the course of the year, where you've been spending your time, what you've been into, some trends, but then to also see that from your friends and being able to be offered some capabilities to connect with people in your network on a different level and share interests. And when you look at streaming platforms, they are so obsessed with the consumer. What are you doing? How are you using us? What do you need from us? What are you enjoying? And that is a trend that I think I would just would love to see in healthcare and more of in healthcare. And we are really seeing that in the health services space, especially when we're thinking about MSOs, because it's just, there's more of them out there now. And there's more of a focus on what value do we bring to the equation? Who are we serving? Who do we want to serve? And how do we connect with them? And then how do we keep them engaged? Much of that conversation right now in terms of the organizations who we are seeing have success, even though deal volume has been low, the organizations who we are seeing buck that trend are the ones who know their audience the best and talk about what they can deliver to them and that they are accessible to having those conversations. Can't be a one-way conversation. It has to be two-way. And so the organizations out there who know their audience have something valuable to provide to them and are going to do the mind-blowing thing of being available to actually have a two-way conversation with those individuals, they're doing well, and they'll continue to do well. Last question. Is there anything that you've seen that you think personally would just be that you would love to see applied to healthcare. So I know this is super crazy, but when I go to the grocery store, David, you're not going to believe this. I can look at a product and see how much it costs. (laughs) 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 And it's kind of mind blowing that we have the technology to tell people how much money they need to spend on a service (laughs) up front. And I think that For all of the advances that we have made in healthcare, just that simple aspect of being able to tell the patient how much this is going to cost would just blow people's minds. It would would certainly blow mine. But I, I also understand that the challenge there is that because of the shape of the healthcare ecosystem, no one entity owns the answer to that question. And there's a lot of variables in play, and certainly there's a lot to understand there. But I also think that we've got a long way to go. And when we talk about consumer trust and patient trust. I mean, that that could move mountains just to give people the peace of mind of being able to quickly and simple, simply understand what the cost equation looks like. 